Welcome in brand new Friday scramble. It's May 27th, 2022. It's the Friday of the Charles Schwab challenge. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there. Andy Lack. Andy, good to have you back, sir. Yeah, thanks, man. I, um, you know, I caught a little bit of you and Sia. You guys went live right during the time that the actual commencement was going on. And um, I found the, I was, you know, so it was supposed to be Fauci was the, was the graduation speaker. And he, he like backed out at the last minute. So they had this, like, they had one of the students speak and it, 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 it overall, I would, I was a little bummed. So I, in terms of the whole experience of the commencement, I got a little bored. So I was, uh, I was happy to be able to catch you and see it for a little bit of it. You should have offered to hop up there, give your, uh, give your thoughts on, I don't know what, like what topic could you just speak without, with zero preparation on for like 30 minutes straight? Well, I will say this, you know, I was kind of a star at some of the cocktail parties because you know, breaking news, it turns out old rich dads do in fact love golf. Oh, uh, that's good. I've heard that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was so so <laughs> I, I met some, I met some fantastic new friends, uh, secured a couple fun invites to some courses in, in, across the country. Uh, and overall had, had a great time. Obviously very proud of my brother, but I'm, I'm glad to be back, man. It's, it's, it's good to be back here with you, my friend. Yeah, well, that sounds like a, a great trip, all things considered, everything uh, everything in there. Well, we are indeed presented by Prize Picks, and Andy, you and I are going to switch it up a little bit for this week, uh, because normally we come on here, we drop the props, and I'll admit it, I haven't been good, and I thought it was an opportunity, and sometimes the odds change from the time we put them in the outline. I thought it was an opportunity for us to just live talk through the board. I've got the numbers. I've got all the options up. We're just going to talk through and see what happens. We're going to do that on the other side, but I'm excited to kind of just go through with you on like how we would attack the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, ab- absolutely. Uh, the, the lines changing has obviously been a topic of discussion amongst us and amongst the uh, listeners in the live chat for a couple of weeks now. So yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've noticed they've done, they've, they're always changing things up on us at the last minute too. Have you noticed like the, the birdies matchups that they're doing now? Matchups are out there now. Yes. We'll talk through some of those. There's uh you know, for the bigger events, they do the holes played, which is basically to, to make the cut. Yeah. There's always something new going on. Yeah. Which I, which I enjoy by the way. And I like the, um, the whole one still, you know, I think there's always that edge that we can find there because, you know, based on pin position and wind and the way it's playing from day to day, there's only so much that they can change on those ones. So I'm excited to get into it. Well, let's talk about uh, Charles Schwab challenge real quick, because there were like 15 guys, 14 or 15 guys, Andy, that were either tied for the lead after round one or within a shot. It was completely wide open and we're still seeing uh, we're seeing everybody still lumped together. Scott Stallings, who qualified for the U.S. Open on Monday, has carried that momentum into this week. He's currently five under par. He's got a couple holes left to play in his round number two. He's alone at the top. Uh, Chris Kirk, who I imagine will make a lot of people happy if he wins, is up near the top of the board as well with Davis Riley and Bo Hostler. 
uh, lurking Jordan Spieth out there on the golf course right now. So there's just there's just a, a log jam on the leaderboard. Yeah, and I think the the board will probably mature a little bit as the afternoon goes on because I do think that there's going to be low numbers continuing this afternoon. I mean, looking at the wind, it's this is this should be the easiest day for for scoring conditions. So I do believe that there is probably a 64 or a 65 out there and you know, I I would say that probably someone this morning she I mean, we've already seen a bunch of guys make the turn in 3 or 4 under. Have you seen a guy flip a switch like seemingly Davis Riley has? So his season started. So he gets his tour card. His season starts with a bunch of missed cuts. He has a T7 at Bermuda, a T20 at the Sony. That's basically it. Then he has that runner-up finish at the Valspar where he lost in a playoff. And then his last four have been top 13 finishes. He's two off the lead right now. He has either found something or figured it out or took a magic potion. I don't know what it is, but Davis Riley is in it. And what's good, what's encouraging about Riley as well is the way that he's getting it done. When I first start, when he first kind of came on my radar, uh, it was a lot of putting, right? And then I don't know if you saw the stats from the PGA, which he was incredibly impressive at, as well, I think he finished 13th at the PGA, which was the main reason why he was firmly on my radar this week. And I ended up betting him this week, but he had, he had an incredible ball striking performance at the PGA. So the best of his career uh, and looking at round one, it was really the irons that were carrying him as well. He, he actually didn't putt that well at all. And he's, he's been hitting the ball great as well today. And hasn't really made a ton of pots yet. So I think you got to be incredibly, incredibly bullish on him. Uh, not just for the rest, for the rest of this tournament. I think he's got a great chance to win. What is he into like the 25 to one range right now? Uh, right now, Davis Riley is <laughs> 50 to one. No, that's crazy. No, this, no, did he make right. a bogey this last time I did this last time. That was so every time I go to Caesars, they want to show me the second round leader first. So yeah, on. we've made that mistake before. <laughs> I made that mistake. He's 18 <laughs> to one to win the tournament. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're losing a little. I bet him pre-tournament at 50. So you're you know, he's he's fairly priced, I guess. Um, you might want to wait and see what happens in the afternoon, but yeah, I think you got to be incredibly bullish going forward. This group of um, Cameron Young and Mito and Davis, like you, I'm starting to realize that I think you need to evaluate their abilities a little bit differently. I just don't think the learning curve is is what it used to be in, in terms of experience on tour. Doesn't appear to be. Really doesn't appear to be. These guys from uh, the Corn Ferry Tour are ready to rock and roll. Uh, two guys that are going out this afternoon who are both at four under. Webb Simpson, Scotty Scheffler. Let's start with the number one golfer in the world, Scotty Scheffler, who after what I called like the best miscut you could have had at the, at the PGA Championship opened with a bogey-free 66. There was never any reason to be concerned about Scotty Scheffler. No, absolutely not. I mean, he caught the wrong side of the wave. That whole group of Morikawa, Scheffler, Rom, they just, it didn't feel like they ever got going together. I mean, I think sometimes you you get pairings and you're able to feed off of 
your partners. I think the the opposite happened with this group. They all I Morikawa was as frustrated as I've seen him on a golf. Rom's obviously always Rom. And Scheffler was, you know, frustrated as well. So I'm absolutely willing to throw that one out. That was his first, you know, first major as a masters champion. He'd won like four times in his last seven starts. So yeah, I think this was a clear, good rebounding week for Scheffler, and he will probably be uh, relevant as the tournament continues. Webb Simpson, also at uh, four under par, gave us a taste of vintage Webb at the PGA Championship for the first time in a while. He was he gained across the board. He looked good. It looked like when Webb was healthy, and there was... Um, at least a little bit of me saying, okay, well, we can be early on web because if this is going to continue, Colonial should be a really good spot for him. Now, uh, shoots a 66 in the opening round. We'll continue to see, or we'll see if he continues it. He's also your one and done, Andy. So you are certainly, uh, I'm sure, excited about the way the opening round got going. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that you texted me on Monday night and asked me if, uh, if I had a one and done pick, I think if maybe if we left it up to the uh, the the live chat and the fans, they would have said that I was eliminated for my inability yes, to attend. Eliminated and also not allowed to participate in next year's one and done as a punishment. They're very right. they're very very harsh. <laughs> right. So so I'm glad to have to have been able to get out of there with Webb. Who'd you who'd you go with by the way? Uh, Jordan Speed. Okay, safe. Right. I mean, and he's. You have to imagine, like, this is the place that Speed finishes top 10 without any form. So, and he's playing well today. So, you have to imagine you're just, you're, you're kind of go, you're, you're eating into me a little bit with these options, right? Like, this is probably a good week to deploy Speed if you're a little bit down because you have to be saying to yourself, okay, I'm probably going to get a top 15 out of him at worst, right? Like, go out and beat me. Uh, he is working very hard. I have every time I looked, I've seen him in the trees, and he's been arguing with Greller about whether a shot is even possible. And there they seem to be on different pages, but he's he's pulling it off. He's playing well, but it's not pretty. It's typical Spieth, and right, and I always try and do my best to throw my eye test out the window with him. I've kind of like I've kind of gotten used to the pre-shot routine at this point. Like I'm I'm kind of numb to it. It's kind I'm just. I get it at this point. I, I understand that it's not going to look pretty, but I also, it appears that he's pretty comfortable with it. And now we've had a couple weeks in a row where the ball striking has been solid, right? And it, it's really been more of the, uh, it's really been more of the putter. So yeah, you know, I have to imagine that Spieth will be relevant as this tournament goes on. And I'm sure we'll start talking about this a lot more in the upcoming weeks, but and he's pretty dangerous at Brookline. Ooh, okay. Well, we will talk. I'll be, I'll be at Brookline. Have we talked about that? Um, no. So, so I'll be on the East Coast too. I haven't I haven't made moves to get there yet. I did not know you were making the trip. So you're coming out. You're coming out east. I'm coming out east. Yes, I'll be at Brookline for the U.S. Open, and I will definitely be at uh in Wilmington for the P, for the BMW Championship. I don't know what else yet, but yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to be at Brookline. It's going to be great. But those are two separate trips, right? You're not staying no, out. Not, no, okay. they're like, like two months apart. They're, uh, those are two separate trips. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And so is the U.S. Open more of a fan experience or a work endeavor? Like, are you going to, are you, are you 
how's it work? Are you are you it'll working like, the credential angle? Yeah, it'll likely be more of a work endeavor. The hope and goal is to do my HQ hits uh, from the course and right. figure out a way to record, you know, first cut after that. But that'll likely be a, a work trip. And then BMW Championship uh, will be more of a uh, fan slash vacation trip. Okay, got it. And so are you staying in Boston for the week? Yeah, we'll be there like, uh, I think it's Wednesday through Sunday or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Have you ever been in Boston? Uh, yes. And also my wife went You're to- You're from Philadelphia. What am I saying? Yeah, so so Eli, Boston. Eli in the chat says, ever been to the East Coast? Yeah, just like the first like 26 years of my life. Which <laughs> but, uh, so Arvina went to uh, optometry school in Boston. So she is very okay. excited about this. She has friends there. So she'll definitely be- like vacation mode while I'm at the golf course. But uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. It's been a while since I've been there. It's been a while since she's been there. Okay. I'm uh, I'm going to start looking at some stuff when we get off air. Cause now I'm a little more inspired to make it happen. It's just, I'm sure you've experienced this. It's like the summer of weddings for me. It's yeah, just like landmines left and right. Uh, 2020 weddings and stuff. Right. Right. So if I can make it work and I don't have any potential landmines, hopefully I'll, I'll see you there, my friend. I love it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. On the other side, we are going to go into a live props discussion. I'm going to pull up the stats. I'm going to pull up the board. We're going to talk through it in real time together. We are talking about prize picks. The code you're looking for to get a deposit match is Rick. There's a link in the description. Hopefully, we can break down this board in a way that is favorable for you. But we'll hit that on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Andy, let's prop it like it's hot. We are going to just break down this board together. So I asked Armina to put all the stats on a sheet, which she is going to share right now, hopefully. There we go. Okay, so let's talk through how we would do this. So round one scoring, the course played uh, three quarters of a shot or a shot over par in the AM or the PM. So it was playing over par. Right now, the course is playing significantly easier, nearly a stroke under par so we're talking about a shot and a half or two shots uh easier today in round two the average fairways hit from yesterday was 7.7 the average greens and regulation from uh yesterday was 10.44 so knowing this where should we start should we start with the strokes and see if there's any advantageous stuff there yeah let's start with the strokes um so looking at it now I mean, they have accounted for the fact that the course is playing easier. I mean, they may have actually even over accounted for it. Like you're looking at the over unders here with Scheffler's at 67, uh, Morikawa 67.5. The highest over under is 68.5. So they're basically telling you that they think that all the players that I, they have selected are going to be 
better than field average today, right? Right. Because field average would be uh, basically like 69. So right. when the highest is Ricky Fowler and Patrick Reed and Tommy Fleetwood and Taylor Gooch at 68 and a half. They're saying all 10 of these golfers are going to beat the field average, which would be, would be fairly unlikely for that to happen. Right. So I was, pro I, I, I think you probably want to lean towards the overs here. Uh, you so know, here, so what would you, so what would your process be? Would you look at, what you saw yesterday and see guys that maybe putted out of their mind. Like who, how do we find the guys that are more likely to shoot worse than the field average today? Yeah, probably. I mean, I would JT would probably be the guy that stood out to me the most. Um, I don't think I know he had a terrible iron round yesterday. I don't think that he's going to repeat that, but I mean, he's hanging around the cut line right now already. He's going to have to shoot, you know, a good round. I mean, he, He'll make the cut, I'm sure, with a 68. It's probably going to be like an even cut, I would assume, as as we stand now. I don't think it's going to get that much crazy easier in the afternoon. But, you know, JT is a guy that did not hit the ball very well last week. He has been putting really, really great. He's game strokes putting in like six, seven, eight uh, rounds in a row. Um, but in terms of, you know, the iron play, the uh, the – understandable maybe lack of fire in his belly coming off of such a huge win um jt would probably be my favorite one of those and that would be for to go over to go over 67 yeah. and a half okay yeah i think um, so i'm just plugging in as we're chatting here and i'm almost done i'm just plugging in just the guys that are available into into the the live leaderboard so that we can kind of see what they did yesterday so let me share that screen with you share uh how do i do this oh, okay stand by i know how to figure this out share this then say share my screen here we go i've got it uh so here are the guys andy which hopefully you can see this yeah okay so i have this sorted by round one putting so I'm kind of looking, okay, you know, for Ricky Fowler gain 1.9 putting, that was basically how he gained all of his strokes. In fact, he lost from T to green. That to me is kind of a red flag because even though Ricky's been historically a very good putter, it, he hasn't been as of late. So asking him to beat the field average at 68 and a half, like that, that has me a little bit worried. Right. And I didn't, this doesn't make me feel as good. About my, I didn't realize how dependent Webb was on the putter yesterday as well. But he gained two strokes on approach. Yeah, yeah, that's like it was that's horrible. No, yeah, and he gained what was he two point six eight putting? Yeah, yeah, so I guess I, I guess Webb's fine. Webb's fine there too. I pro I probably say JT. I'm with you on Ricky. I'm probably a little more bullish on on Ricky than most. I, I actually played him this week. I, I've started to see some stuff that I'm liking out of him recently. So hope, hopefully he's able to get things turned around. Uh, are you at all worried? Not. Are you at all worried that Morikawa is like very much struggling with his putter right now? Like not no. even or anything, just like in general? No, I'm not. I've heard you're, you know, it's so gosh, it's so quick the way people turn on, on the, have you already started to hear like the Morikawa is not a wind player. He's a, you know, yeah. he's a, I, I just, it, 
It's like, guys, he's 24 and he's won 20% of the majors that he's played in. He's on like the, he's on a pace right now to be one of the 15 greatest golfers of all time in possibly the hardest era of golf that we've ever seen. Morikawa is fine. The difference between Morikawa and a player like, we'll say John Rahm, is that the strokes gain with Morikawa in terms of overall consistency is never going to be there because he's not a great putter. And when I say he's not a great putter, it's actually, it's not that he isn't capable of being a great putter. It's that there's a lot of volatility involved with his putting. So there's going to be weeks where he's going to gain four, five, six strokes putting, and those are going to be the weeks that he wins. There's also going to be weeks where he misses cuts because he loses six strokes putting, right? Or he finishes T45 because he loses four or five strokes putting. So no, I, I, I would need like a year of Morikawa not showing us that he has spike putting potential for me to actually sound any alarm balls. All right. Fair enough. Um, as I'm kind of looking through some of the other props here. So average greens and regulation from yesterday, 10.44 again, they, the prize picks guys have said all the options are going to be better than field average. The lowest available prop for greens and regulation is 11 and a half Ricky and Reed and Taylor Gooch. Then you get all the way up to 13 greens and regulation for Scotty Scheffler. So I think these are skewing a bit high as well. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I mean, again, this is probably the one that you want to look at iron play the most, right? Like not necessarily just what they did yesterday, but like long-term iron play would probably be the way that I would attack this, this prop the most. No. Yeah, that's right. So someone like a, um, so like Patrick Reed, who was great yesterday, but hasn't necessarily been great with his irons longer term. He's got one of the lowest props. Is that something that interests you? Or would you prefer to just find somebody who is historically good, expect them to continue to be good or uh, like, like what, what are you looking for? Well, probably not with Reed because I think Reed is actually, I, I, I think we're starting to see some, some signs of life from Reed. I think he's going to have a good, I think he's going to, I actually bet him to win the U S open the other day at like 120 to one. Oh, my I think we're, yeah, I think we're starting to see some stuff with Reed. Uh, he gained what he gained like five strokes on approach at the PGA, right? Something like that. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I probably not Reed, but yeah, I think Reed would be, the template um if he wasn't heating up so quickly uh with you know that aspect of his bag is i would probably look rick at like long-term greens and regulation percentage how they played in round one how they're trending and probably try and attack the players that have the mix of long-term form isn't great but unlike reed they aren't suddenly starting to catch fire yeah like um web at 12 has my attention. It's the yeah. second lowest one. I think that um, it, it's weird, right? Like if you believe what you saw from Webb yesterday was the real Webb and a lot of what he's been going through for the last couple months is injury and rust or whatever. Uh, like he is, and, and he gained two strokes on approach yesterday and he never gets himself into trouble off this. He gained a half a stroke off the tee. Like I, I think that's too low, 12. Right, right. Yeah, I, I would probably I would probably agree with that. The thing about Colonial too is like generally, even if we think it's going to play a little bit easier 
this afternoon. It's still, of course, with small greens where the greens in regulation percentage has historically been low. So even in easy conditions, this isn't really typically a course where you're going to get guys hitting like 16 of 18 greens if they're on, right? Like these are still pretty small putting surfaces. So I think the ceiling with some of these guys isn't as high as, as you know, other golf courses. Right. Uh, okay. Then finally, so this is what you were talking about. They have these, this is just a couple of, of weeks old, I believe. Um, birdies or better matchup. So these are essentially round matchups between two golfers, but it's not strokes that matter. It's birdies or better. So right now all the lines are set at zero. So for example, uh, Justin Thomas versus Sam Burns. If you think JT is going to make more birdies or better than Sam Burns, you take the over. If you believe Burns will make more than Thomas, you take Thomas's under. When you get something new like this, Andy, like let's think through this together because these are not matchups. These are not stroke matchups. What would we be looking for to determine what side is the better side? Probably volatility, right? Like you probably want someone with a high birdie or better percentage. You probably want somebody that has shown that he's very capable of going low because typically you're, it's almost like looking at DraftKings scoring, right? Rec is I think the mistake that people look at is they don't factor in the account that there are a lot of guys that sometimes consistently outscore their DraftKings finishing position. And I think you probably want to approach this in the same vein, right? You probably want to be looking for guys that tend to maybe, hey, they give it, you know, for example, a guy like Scotty Scheffler could make six birdies and six bogeys today and shoot even par. And Morikawa could make three birdies and no bogeys and shoot three under par. And Scheffler's the winner of that matchup, right? So you're probably looking at, volatility and birdies are better percentage would be the way I would attack it. Okay. So if we, I like that. So if we go that route, there's a couple of ways we can do this. So I have on rickrungood.com and the Holy grail under fantasy data. I have like DraftKings gain uh, points gained. I've got like the birdie streak numbers, which could kind of show you who might be, uh, who might be volatile, who might be volatile in a good way. Cause for example, um, like Justin Thomas makes, nearly twice as many birdie streaks as Colin Morikawa and Colin Morikawa has more bogey free rounds. Like that makes sense, right? Like they're different right. golfers. Right. For example, JT's the number one golfer in this field in terms of DraftKings points gained. You can gain those a lot of different ways. So let me actually do this by like, okay, he's also number one in birdie streaks too, which is exciting. And then Sam Burns is like 20th in this field. So JT over Burns might be interesting just to kind of shout like Scotty Scheffler is number two of the guys that are available here. HV three much. I'm still scrolling much further down the board. He's like 40th. So I, I think that's kind of a good way to look at it is volatility, birdie rate, even draft King soaring. Cause that might be more, that might be more attainable as well. Right. I agree with that. I think, th I think that's completely the way that I would attack it because there's just some certain guys. I mean, like just anecdotally off the top of my head, like Fitzpatrick is a guy that he just makes a lot of pars. He just makes a lot of pars and, and you know, that he does, there are a lot of times often I know this cause I play him a lot. He doesn't always outscore his DraftKings 
position. But then there's certain other players you mentioned JT, where when he gets going, he really gets going, right? Like he is, his wedges are so strong that if he gets one of those days where the putter is cooperating, there's going to be a lot of times where he's going to make six, seven birdies in a round. Now, JT is also not always the most accurate driver of the ball either. So he's going to give some back too, but I would agree. I think that's probably the way that you want to attack these. I think the matchups are kind of a, a fun little thing because you're getting both sides of it now. So not only are you getting to identify the players that are good at this specific skill set, but you're also getting to pick on guys that aren't as good at it. What are, yeah, that's true. What is the, what are the, uh, I'm trying to figure out the rhyme and reason for these matchups. It's not tee times. They're not playing in the same group. Like for example, Varner is going off the 10th tee at 118, while Scotty Scheffler is going off the first tee at 1256. Like they're not, what do you think these are just more or less random or names they picked out that they thought would be good against one another? Like, I don't know what the criteria is for, for making these more or less random would be my guess. There's no rhyme or reason to some of the things that the wonderful people at prize picks do in terms of how they make some of these lines. Like I remember at the PGA championship, there was like two guys that had a whole scoring prop up and it was like John Daly and Tiger Woods. I, I, if I, I do not have the answers for how they choose them, but Hopefully, as we've said many times in the past, it's it's a it turns into an opportunity for us. Somehow, Vincent Whaley has found his way into one of these with Ricky Fowler. So that's always, uh, always right. There's always that one guy that it's like one of these is is not like the other. For it was Kucher for a while in big events. Maybe Whaley's their uh, their new guy now. Maybe, uh, yeah, it's like Whaley's brother sets the lines for these or something like that. And he's like, oh, I'll throw Vince in there for you or something like that. Um, okay, cool. That was fun. It's it's always good to get into strategy and kind of figure this out because it, it's always changing so quickly. And uh, you can see the way that those those lines are being favored by the boys over at Price Pick. So you can use the code Rick. You can get yourself an instant deposit match. There's a link in the description. Let us know what you settle on in the chat. But we've got more to do. Uh, I want to look at the live odds board and I want to talk a little bit of some storylines and whatnot around the world of golf, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll do it on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay, Andy, here's the live odds for the Charles Schwab challenge. And as you can see at the top, it is for tournament winner. I will not spend 12 minutes talking about round two uh, leader like we did a couple weeks ago this is tournament winner scotty scheffler the favorite he has not teed off yet five to one chris kirk eight to one he's already he's playing right now he might be done here he is 
No, he's got two holes to play. Uh, Jordan Spieth, 10 to 1. Webb Simpson, 12 to 1. So this is that kind of crazy time on a Friday morning where some guys have played basically two full rounds. Others haven't teed off yet. And Caesars is trying to figure out what to do with that information. Yeah. You know, I think that just at a bird's eye view, I would probably, I feel pretty comfortable about this afternoon scoring, right? Like I feel pretty comfortable that they're going to be numbers out there today. So I think that probably you would want to look at guys that haven't played yet, right? A lot of the times we do this and it's like, okay, I want to choose guys that are in the clubhouse. And I do feel good enough about the way that the win looks that I would probably want to attack some players that have yet to play. So, so just anecdotally over the last like hour and a half. So Armina and I were updating that, you know, what the live scoring is right now, just so we had it for that prop segment. It is still getting easier, right? It, like okay. an hour and a half ago, it was like a half a stroke under par. Then it was like six tenths of a stroke under. Then it was eight. Right now it is nearly a full shot, 0.95 under par. So it is still getting easier, which a lot of times you'd start to see that trending especially on, on the afternoon wave with foot traffic and usually wind freshening in the afternoon, you would normally see it starting to chip away at how easy it is, but that's not happening right now. Right. Yeah. So for example, like Patrick Reed is probably the first name that has my attention. Uh, he's at, let's 18. see, Reed 18. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit higher. It's just hard for me to stomach these, uh, when the guys, I always want to, it's tough because Patrick Reed absolutely has a higher chance, higher probability to win this tournament than we would probably agree that he did before Thursday morning, right? But I always have such a difficult time when, you know, he was available as high as 100, 100 to one this week. So with still the amount of volatility that we see in golf uh, and 54 holes to play, it's it kind of hard to stomach. Even a guy that wins, like uh, like Reed, pretty often, it's hard to stomach. I guess at at one fifth of the odds, but um, he's probably the guy at four that I like the most. I probably like him a little bit more than Varner, even in Webb. I gotta tell you, I don't think I love any of these odds. Um, Varner, who I bet before the tournament, which I'd be super thrilled if he won this, but sixteen to one now. Scotty Scheffler, you're getting no deal on at five to one. Webb at 12, Reed at 18. Cool. Well, probably my favorite, Rick, is Hovland, right? Because we both bet Hovland before the tournament started. Yeah. I bet him at 20 to one. He's 20 to one now. Do you feel better about your Hovland bet now or before the tournament started? Because I actually probably feel a little bit better about it now. Uh, I would agree with that. And he's also, a, he's got one hole left in the horrible horseshoe. So five's a difficult hole. But once he gets through that, he, like if he could get to, if he could get to five under, if he could get right. in at five under with, you know, what, what's the lead going to be? Probably no more than eight or nine. And it's not like yeah. it's going to be Jordan Spieth holding that lead at the top. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, Hovland, who is four under now and has all the firepower in the world and could get to, could get deeper than that is longer than Reed, who I guess just hasn't teed off yet. That's his biggest, that's his biggest incentive is that he's got holes in hand on a course that's playing. But even if he plays it to, to the field average, 
and both of these guys end up at five to one. Like you'd rather have Vic than Patrick. Yeah. They're, they're this, both yeah. The weekend. Right. This is a very, this is shaping up to be a very Rick friendly leaderboard. We've got Hovland up there. Bo Hostler's your guy. Who else are we missing? Homa? Homa's kind of your guy too, right? Homo, Homo would like to, yeah, I'd like Homa in the mix. So he's at three under right now. But yes, this is this is shaping up to be a very Rick leaderboard. I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, who is the, there is one more that I'm forgetting. Who else have you had on? You've had Hostler and Hovland. Well, you've talked to a bunch of guys in the first cut too, right? Yeah. Um, Ricky, right? Ricky. Yeah. Ricky was there. Uh, I'm trying to look through the leaderboard, see if there's anybody else that we've talked we're, to. We're missing, we're missing both yeah. of our boy, Aaron Wise, but, but be on the lookout for him at Memorial next week. Impressive <laughs> at the PGA, by the way. Uh, yes, he was. Uh, yeah, where is Doc? Doc's got some work to do. Doc's even par at T49. He has not teed off yet, so. Colin Morikawa came on the first cut when I think I told you this. We we introduced him as Barracuda Championship winner. <laughs> think about how far we've come since that moment where he was introduced as as uh, Barracuda Championship winner. Yeah, I'd say he's done. He's done just a bit to to raise his stock. We got Sam Burns there too. Yeah, um, I, I would say probably Rick. If you're telling me you have one bet to make now, and it was just regardless of anything that I've done pre-tournament. I think in terms of like the pre-tournament value versus where people are at now, I'd probably say Hovland, even though he's not playing in the afternoon. But I think the 20 on Hovland is better than, you know, the 16s and 18s on Webb, Reed, and Varner, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's, I think we've circled it. I think we figured it out. Um, one thing, and I will crowdsource this uh, for anybody listening. I've been looking for the to win the money list odds, uh, not necessarily to bet them. I, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, and Scotty Scheffler was a massive favorite. I, I just kind of wanted to see what they are now that JT got the two point whatever million for the PGA championship. I just kind of wanted to see what they were, and I can't find them anywhere. So I don't know if you, Andy, have seen them or if anybody out there has seen them, just like send them to me. I haven't, but that's what that's an interesting market because I can't like, right. If Cam Smith is kind of the other guy where if Cam Smith wins again, he's, he's could be right there because of how gargantuan the player's purse is. Right. Correct. And then if they take it through the BMW championship, you've got, there's like five really massive purses left. Right. Even right. before we get to the tour championship, which wouldn't be included. But there's I just want to see how how much of a favorite Scotty is right now. Right. Like player of the year is another interesting one too, right? Because conventional wisdom would suggest that Scotty has it locked up. But what happens if Cam wins the US Open? Who's the player yeah, of the year? Now he's won the players and the US Open. And the century, which was thirty five players, but 35 of the best players. So well, what's a better, what's it is if cam does that and then he finishes. So, so like all of the, so the player of the year is also so dependent on the FedEx cup. So like if cam right. is then two spots out or two shots out of the, of the, at the tour championship and wins that, like 
it's not a lot. I don't think it's like that big of a lock that Scotty wins the wins everything. So let me ask you this then. What's a more impressive resume to you? Uh, if Cam wins the century, the players, the FedEx Cup, and is relevant in all the majors. Like, let's not forget that he finished runner-up at the Masters and 13th at the PGA where he led the field in ball striking. Or what Scotty has now, which is a Masters, a WGC, and two big non-major events, right? Like the API and, and Scottsdale, those are both really good fields on good golf courses. That is still more impressive. But if Cam Smith, wins, if Cam Smith wins a major, uh, if Cam Smith wins a major, then just basically like the FedEx Cup will decide who the player of the year is. Agreed. Scott, it would just be like a two-horse race. And whoever Agreed. is higher in the FedEx Cup would, would win. I'm with you. I think if Cam Smith wins a major... That he overpasses Scheffler. But if Cam Smith wins the FedEx Cup, I'd still think Scheffler has a better season. So there's also a situation where, um, so like Scotty has already locked up, basically, based on points from last year, starting fifth or better at the Tour Championship. He's like basically already locked that up if he doesn't earn another point. There's going to be a situation where, um, you know, we might be a couple weeks out and it's shaping up where, whether it's Cam or JT or whatever, is basically going to be in the top five within four or five shots of whoever is leading the tour championship, which is probably probably going to be Scotty Scheffler. And I think you're going to be able to get longer odds that that golfer is either the player of the year or wins the money list or wins the FedEx Cup, as opposed to just saying this guy wins the tour championship the week of. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're not necessarily independent events. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... Because the we got no, we didn't get rid of it. We just changed the St. Jude's from a WGC to a playoff event and took out the one that's generally in New York. So there's still two playoff events, but this time it's first one's Memphis and the second one is the Wilmington one that you were you're heading out to. Correct. Yes, the Northern Trust is no longer a thing, which is a shame because how. How do we have a PGA tour schedule of 40 events without one in New York or Chicago? Like explain that to me. And there's not a regular stop in Boston either. Right. Trust would kind of go back and forth, right? Boston and, and, and Liberty national. I I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. It's kind of surprising. Chicago and the New York area. If you're being generous and including long Island into that might be along with Monterey, the two best golf areas in the country. It's gotta, um, it's gotta be infrastructure, right? Just like, where are we? Are, is there not a place to put up all the stands and parking and traffic? It's like, is it just infrastructure stuff? I don't know. It can't be that with Chicago because Chicago has had, you know, yeah. tons of tournaments hosted at Cog Hill. They've had tons of tournaments hosted at Medina, which is actually undergoing Medina wouldn't make sense because they're undergoing a big renovation right now ahead of the 2026 president's cup. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot, like I'll give you an example. So I'm headed out to Chicago in a couple of weeks for one day to play a course called Butler national Mm. and, uh, Butler national used to host the Western open for many years, but Butler national is one of the only remaining men's only clubs in the United States. Yeah. 
So it got to a point in the late 70s where the PGA Tour was like, yeah, probably not the best look to have a men's only club as one of our host sites. So they said to Butler, hey, you guys either need to change your policy or uh, we're out. And Butler said, see you guys. <laughs> we're not changing it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. At least they gave him the opportunity. Like, hey, here's your, here's your options. Wow. That's wild. I did not know that. They're still yeah. mental? Like as yeah. of like today? Oh my God. As of today. Yeah. As of today. Yeah. Anyway. Oh All right. Um, two more things we got to talk about. We'll do it quick and we'll get everybody out of here. But uh, watch this ad for Juice Reel. I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at hint top tens and there's no going back for me download the juice reel app with the link in the description uh i like that juice reel app you, you use that app Andy, don't you? yeah juice reel is phenomenal i mean they 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 just started doing golf too so i kind of learned about them through line shopping with football but now that they do golf you can do the outright, you can look at all these different books to see what has the best outright numbers. And in golf, it varies a lot. So I would highly recommend shopping around and utilizing that. Yeah, spoiler alert, there's a uh, ton of discrepancy in uh, outright odds for golf right now, especially with everybody trying to be trying to be competitive. Uh, two things real quick. There is a rumor, Andy, that we are getting potentially the field for the London event of the Live Golf International today. Yeah, I think more than a rumor, right? We've got some some pretty strong sources confirming that it's going to happen. We haven't we haven't seen it yet, though, have we? Did anything happen while we while we were on air? Um, I have not seen it, uh, so I I don't believe so. But I I'm hoping it's soon. Okay, so question for you: Are we going to cover this? I don't know. Are you going to watch this is maybe the better question to start with. I don't know. Um, I've really just kind of kicked the can down the road on all of this and, and been like, I'll, I'll face that when I, when we get there, we'll but cross now, that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, where, where, if I wanted to watch it, where can I watch it? Uh, I believe that they're going to stream it free on YouTube because I don't think that they were able to get a deal done with a network in time. So I believe if I had to take a guess, there's probably going to be a live uh, golf YouTube channel that is live streaming. The event would be my guess. And keep in mind the first one's in London, not Boston, right? The one that's coming up is the London one. Yeah. So it might not, it's just, it's going to be on in super early in the morning for us more towards the middle of the night, but I would probably be lying to you if I said I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, me too. Like I am, am curious. I'm, cu I'm curious. I love golf. Like I, I, I can like hate watch it. Like I don't support what's happening, but I feel like, um, I feel like I'd have to tune in and see what's, see what's going on. I, I also need to see if it's going to be, although here's the other thing. If it's, 
if Lee Westwood is the headliner, I will not watch it. I don't care. Like if if it's that and 49 guys from various tours around the world, I will not watch. Okay, question for you. Who do you think is the featured group? Like who is the who is the featured group? Who's the headlining group? Who is the Rory Spieth Tiger of the PGA Championship? So like Phil, Adam so, Scott, yeah. Justin Rose. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Phil and two old Euro guys. Yeah. Um, are you, what, <laughs> I'm not going to like handicap the course. Like I just don't have enough hours in the day, especially with the PGA tour going right, right next to it. And, and, uh, the U S open right around the corner too. I'm not going to, uh, you know, spend time digging into what is the best skill set required for Centurion Golf Club, probably. Very curious to see if they put out betting odds, however. Very, very curious to see. Very curious to see if they put out DraftKings contests. Very curious to see if they put out betting odds, because I think that will shape how our world views it. Because if we get a situation where this happens, and in just in terms of our bubble on Twitter, but you can't bet on it, you can't play DraftKings, I think that it will go silently into the night. But if there's a situation where you can bet on this, people will bet on this. For sure. No, for sure. No, you're right. You're right. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the industry. Because I really don't know. This is very much uncharted territory. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> I, uh, I think probably if I had to make a guess, if I had to make a prediction the narrative coming out of it will be about Phil, right? I think Phil will suck up most of the oxygen. If Phil is in the field, right? I think I will be very interested and I think it will be fun to talk about Phil. I don't know. That's the other thing. Is there going to be media members there? Is Phil going to have to answer questions to media there? I I would almost rather watch Phil's press conference than I would his round one. I'm serious. I mean, it's true. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. And I also think that the first one, <clears throat> the first one, as with most things, I think is going to be more covered than whatever events two, three. Like as long as like in between events one and two or two and three, some other big name isn't like, hey, I'm going. I think I think it will generally, if it's the names that we think. By like the fourth or fifth one of these, I think everybody's going to be like, oh, it's the same guys playing again at a different golf course. Like if you're the head of CBS, do you send your boy Porter to Canada or or London for that week? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Canada's got a good field. <laughs> got a great field. Um, I got credentialed for, so the LPGA match play is in Vegas at Shadow Creek. So I got credentialed and I think I'm just going to go out there Saturday and Sunday and just walk shadow Creek. Obviously like I'm excited to watch the the ladies in match play. I love match play, but like any chance you can give me to step foot at shadow Creek, I'm not missing out on that. Oh, a hundred percent. You got to do it. Um, when is that? Is that next week? It's going on right now. Oh boy. Oh, so dude, I'm excited. I'll, I'll go out there okay. for Saturday and Sundays, like the you know the final rounds of that. They do it the same way as the men do. So uh, I'll I'll probably be out there definitely Sunday, maybe Saturday and Sunday. 
I hope we get more of that course. I really enjoyed when they had the CJ Cup there. I think it'd be a really good like President's Cup venue. It's yeah. There's a there's a lot of good risk reward. So like Matt, it's gr- match place great there, and, or like something like a President's Cup or like a format like that would be really really sharp. You're gonna have to report on this to me when you get back. But I think if I remember correctly, the CJ Cup that they had there happened during COVID. And I've heard some rumblings before about the lack of um, ability to hold fans. I think it's a very contained golf course, right? With maybe some logistical challenges in terms of parking and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe that would explain it, but you'd probably have a better beat on that than I would. I will, uh, I'll keep an eye out when I get out there for where we could put the the stands. I mean, that was the way Summit Club was too. Summit Club was, there was one grandstand at Summit Club and it was right. this tiny little grandstand behind the 18th green and that was it. There was not a single spot to sit or really stand outside of that. Right, right. And what's Summerlin like? Summerlin probably is the has the most room, I would imagine. They've got, they're the most used to stuff like that ton of room they've got they yeah they, it's very much you can get a lot of people in there and parking's not bad and they shuttle and they valet and they do they, they do a good job yeah hmm. all right buddy much appreciated we'll be back on tuesday uh as always we'll see how the rest of this charles schwab challenge uh breaks down and then we're on a run of memorial and canada and the u.s open it's going to be a fun little stretch of golf producer mina does all the hard work on the ones and twos andy lack can be found found on twitter at adp lack sports you can find me at rick run good this has been your friday scramble catch you next time